that doesn't touch your heart, your, your wood's wet. <clears throat> Thank you for leading us this morning. We're continuing our series called The Seven, and uh, boy, that sets it up nicely. As we live in the light of sin, uh, each and every day, it marks us, it challenges us. Uh, We stumble and we fall. And one of the things that we have coming up to continue our focus on building our lives on a solid foundation, um, continuing to pursue what God has done for us and His plan for us and for our families um, is coming up is our, our, our series called Home Improvement. And I encourage you, we've sent out, I don't know how many uh, thousand of invitations uh, around that uh, is advertising this particular series beginning March 9th. Um, Good stuff. And it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a roundtable. Pastor Tim and Chuck and I will be sharing the teaching and we'll rotate through, and then at the end, at the end of our, our, our service, all three of us are going to come up here and kind of sit around a table and um, have a little bit different environment where you can text questions into us. So that's, that's coming up. And I also want to mission, <clears throat> mention again, uh, love you. Um, it was funny this morning as we were thinking about uh, the announcements that we we're going to lay out, uh, Laurie came up to me, and uh, Laurie, by the way, Laurie was the one who wrote the, the fantastic uh, skit last, last week, and uh, our two stars back here in the seat, Ben and Mo. Didn't they do a great job? That was fantastic. Well, there's, there's more, and, and Laurie told me, she said, somebody, somebody uh, said to her this past week, I didn't know that there was going to be skits on Sunday night, and I wasn't thinking about coming, but maybe now I will. So, hey, we're having skits and food, and food's always a draw, you know. We'll have some, a little bit of food and coffee and whatnot, so I really encourage you to come invite friends. Uh, this is material more, that more much more material than, than just uh, folks that are thinking about getting engaged. This is really, really helping us and driving us in our thought processes about how love shapes us and what are the principles from God's Word, His design for us as we enter into relationships, particularly the marriage relationship. So this is for those that have been married 30 years. This is uh, for those that have been married 30 weeks or those that are going to be getting engaged in 30 weeks or something like that. So in other words, everybody, y'all come. Please sign up for that. It'll be a good time. Uh, uh, The reason I really need you to sign up online is because we're making arrangements for childcare and all that, and I just need to make sure that we have an accurate count and enough workers for that. So that's enough about that. But uh, back to uh, the seven. Uh, the seven deadly sins, and as we think about the seven deadly sins and uh, uh, how our minds have been drawn to these particular topics, we're reminded once again, as Tim has uh, shown us, God created us, he's come up here every time, God has created us in the garden in a, a, a perfect relationship with him. 
And God designed us for worship, for intimacy, for togetherness. And it was all perfect, great, back in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve walked and fellowshiped and had an intimate time with God himself. And yet, if you've been in church at all, you know the story about how sin entered in and then there became a separation between perfect God, holy God, and broken man. And that brokenness has separated us, not only physically, but spiritually. And that brokenness uh, has trickled down and has brought to us sin, death, disease, and the heartache that you and I face each and every week. And my friend, that was not God's design. That was not what he planned. And yet, knowing that we would do this, knowing that we would turn our backs on him, he provided a remedy. And we sang about that this morning. The remedy through the cross, where God himself said, man, you can't pay the price for the sin, so I'll pay it for you. I'll step into your shoes, and I'll be willing to take on myself the sin, the brokenness, and I'll pay the ultimate price that a holy God demands in order to have a relationship with broken man. And so the two can be brought back together. And so we sing about that, and we live in the light of that. And then God calls us to go out and live our lives, constantly reminded of that and share the wonderful news that God sets us free from the brokenness of sin. And one day, he's fully going to restore that relationship so that we leave this chasm and we come back together fully united with holy God who loves us more than we can imagine and enter into an eternal relationship with him. And so that's what the seven is all about. And so we have been discussing a number of different topics from pride to gluttony to lust. Last week we talked about anger, and I think we kicked off the whole series. Sorry about that. A series with envy. Thank you, Colin, for helping me there. Are we there? No, we're trying that. So, as we think about that, I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to open them to the book of Luke, chapter 12. Luke, chapter 12. And this morning, we're going to be diving into the topic of greed. Greed is one of those seven deadly sins that in most of our minds, if we were completely honest, we would say, that's pretty tame. It's really not going to affect a whole lot of people. And in fact, our society has embraced greed as something that's quite acceptable, something that we could even perhaps laugh about, something that we've taught 
even our children. And it's underlying our whole society. And, and we kind of pass it off as it's, it's okay. It's no, no big deal. AT&T has a, uh, a little commercial I'll share with you. So what's better, bigger or smaller? Bigger! Now let's say a friend invites you over and they have a really big, really fun pool. And then another friend invites you over who has a much smaller, less fun pool. Which pool would you rather go to? Does the big pool have piranhas? I believe so. Does it have a dinosaur that can turn into a robot and chop the water like a karate ninja? Yeah. Wait, what? Why would it not? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T now covers more than 99% of all Americans. You get the point. Bigger is better. More is better. And the slight thought and teaching about greed is almost made fun of. You know, what a cute little commercial. But we're teaching a philosophy. We're embracing a philosophy, and we have as a country, we have as a people. And oh, that's just a, a, a harmless little thing. Yeah, I know that. My, my, my kids, I, I drive them crazy by constantly, oh, you see what this is teaching, and this is under it, and they just kind of roll their eyes. Okay, Dad, we get it. We know that. You've taught us that our whole lives. We know that, but we can laugh at it. It's okay. <clears throat> I'll give that to you. Yes, we can, we can laugh at that. But... This morning, I want us to think about this. What's at stake? Why should you be listening to me this morning? Uh, most of us think right off the bat, oh, we're talking about greed. Well, I'm not really rich, so I don't have to, I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to struggle with that. And so, wake me up when it's time to eat. But this morning, I want us to go a little further and I want us to really, really think honestly about greed and what truly is at stake. And I would say in the biggest picture and at the deepest level, our heart is at stake. What do I mean by that, that our heart is at stake? Well, uh, there's a guy named Solomon who was the wisest man that walked the earth apart from Jesus Christ. And he, he says these words to his sons as he's passing down the wisdom that he's acquired, the greatest wisdom that God ever gave a human being. And he says these words. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your what? Say it with me. Heart. Keep them within your heart heart, okay? For what? They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Read this last verse with me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Pretty strong statement from the wisest guy that ever walked the earth. Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. So help me, help me understand this. What does the word everything mean? Everything. I don't ask hard questions, okay? Everything. Everything that you do flows from where? Our heart. 
I want you to think about this. In the light of what we're studying, we have hit on the topic of envy and gluttony and anger and what was the other one? Uh, Lust. Thank you. Greed flows from our heart. What was broken in the garden? Our very heart. Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, in some of his teaching, he goes on and he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these things come from inside and defile a person. So I tell you that whatever is going on in the heart is ultimately expressed in behavior. Whatever is going on in the heart is ultimately expressed in behavior, and so whatever is going on in our behavior cannot be understood apart from our heart. So that is why I say that what's at stake as we think about this is our heart. So this morning as we think about the topic of greed... I'd like to offer up a definition. Greed, according to me, as I think about it and I've been studying this, is an unquenchable thirst for getting things that we think we need to be truly satisfied. Greed is an unquenchable thirst for getting things that we think we need to be truly satisfied. Satisfied. Our heart is at stake. And so I want to engage with you over the next few minutes and think about this. If our hearts is what reveals, or our behavior is what reveals what is in our heart, and we cannot understand behavior apart from the goings-on of our heart, Boy, our heart directs us. Our heart leads us. That's why this morning I said, boy, if your heart isn't touched, your wood is wet. (laughs) As we were worshiping together corporately, engaging in the beauty, the greatness, the grandeur of what God has done for us. And God's done a funny thing in the Scriptures. He's revealed to us what He calls the greatest of all commands. We're dealing with seven of the greatest deadly sins. But in order to understand that, let's look for a moment at Mark chapter 12. It says this, okay? You don't have to turn there. I've got it here here for you. Mark chapter 12, you know this. We've we've taught on these things before. Jesus, when when asked the question, hey, what's what's the biggest and most important command that's out there? 
And people were trying to trick him up, and Jesus said easily, hey, the most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, love God with every fiber of your being. And then he does what a rabbi in his day could do. He tacks on and said, oh, by the way, the second is like this. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and there's no, commander, no commandment greater than these. Jesus goes on and continues some teaching regarding this. Jesus says, that we tie this in, we think about greed. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Nobody can serve two masters. Nobody. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. But our definition of greed is not just limited to money. It's anything that we think can truly satisfy us. And the thing that I want us to think about here this morning is that if our behavior is a reflection of what is going on in our heart, our heart truly is worshiping all the time. Did you get that? Our heart is truly engaged with something and worshiping something all the time. And so Jesus' teaching here in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, what the things that you value, yes, where we put our money, but the things that you really value, where the things that we truly value, we invest in, don't we? We value vacation, so we'll invest in that. We value education, so we invest in that. A good barometer of where our heart is, is take out your checkbook register and just look at it. That will reveal where your heart is at. So what you value, you're going to invest in. And Jesus says, hey, where your treasure is, there's your, there is where your heart will be also. And greed crashes directly against the great commandment. Greed says, I want to be in control. Greed says, I will do what I want to do, and I'm going to pursue the things that please me. When the great command says, hey, love God with every fiber of your being. So our heart allegiance should be to God, not things. Greed also crushes, uh, crushes right against the second part of the great command. To love our neighbor as what? Ourself. And when we are greedy, we are taking advantage of other people. Neglecting other people. 
Spending things on ourselves rather than spending things on others. So let's engage with that as we think about this. I want to throw a quote up here. Aquinas argues that humans seek wealth because it gives us the illusion of self-sufficiency and serves as a powerful incentive to deny our need of God. As we pursue stuff, we view that we are self-sufficient. That stuff belongs to me, and I control it. And there's the temptation, believe it or not, to say, I'm God. I don't need God. Most of us at one, one point or another, I'll be guilty here, you know, we hear of the record-setting, you know, lottery that, you know, somebody made $500 million and he, you know, paid two bucks for his ticket. What, I don't know what a ticket cost, but paid his money for this ticket and he won and, boy, what, what could I do with that? Wouldn't that be fun? Where does your heart go immediately? Well, I would do this and this and this, and I would do this and this and this. And, and for us that are, you know, we're, we're, we're in church, we're saying, oh, I would help out with this, and I would help out with this, and I would help out with this. But generally, those helping out, all this other stuff comes after I pay off this, and I pay off this, and I pay off this, and I get a couple things for my family. Not bad. I've been there, done that, guilty. <laughs> wow, what could I do with that? And Aquinas argues that, hey, we seek wealth because it gives us the illusion that we can control things. You know, most of the problems that we're facing, boy, if we just had just enough money, if, if, I, had, if I had more money in that bank account, I could take care of all those needs. I wouldn't have to worry about tires, you know, that pop. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, clothes that wear out and shoes. And, and I wouldn't have to worry about all that kind of stuff because I would have, I would have enough and I'd be able to, to, to meet the needs and I could help others and, and, and that kind of thing. And the idea is that if the... If this is big enough and there's enough in, in this thing, if there's enough, I don't think twice about it. I'm self-sufficient. So let's think about greed. You're in your Bibles in Luke chapter 12. And I want to direct our thoughts to... Uh, Verse 13, that's where we're going to go. We're going to go through this passage this morning. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. If you have a Bible, it's in the last third of your Bible, the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 12, okay? Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this isn't a strange request, Okay? Uh, the, the rabbis, the teachers, were often called upon to, be, um, to, to deal with legal issues, to help people out with uh, family issues and things. So this isn't a, an, a, uh, uh, an unusual request, and yet Jesus responds to him kind of in a, in a funny way. Um, he says this, Jesus, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And he says to them, he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against what? 
all kinds of greed. Be on your guard because against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his stuff, his possessions. Watch out for all kinds of greed. Now, how does Jesus go from, hey, help, help me with, with my family problem. I've got an issue. Please help me with, with the issue that i got going on with my brother. Tell him to, to split the inheritance. We, we've got this written down on paper. I want you to help me with this. And Jesus says, hey, watch out for all kinds of greed. Who made me the guy here? Jesus is getting directly to the issue in the guy's heart. you got a problem with greed. There's a problem here. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he tells us this story, this, this wonderful parable. If you've been in church uh, any time at all, you've heard this story. It's, uh, it's kind of one of these, wow, this guy has been really, really blessed. He's worked hard and he's got an abundance. It goes like this. The ground of a certain rich man produced, no, notice what kind of man he was. He was already rich, okay? The ground of a rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Yes. The ground has done what it's supposed to do, and God has blessed this this man with a, a, a good crop. Great thing. Good thing. We're not down on a lot of crops or in abundance. Not the problem. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll, uh, I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods. But do we have an issue here? No. That's not a problem. In fact, that's a wise thing to do. Proverbs teaches us about preparing for the future, about, about investing. Proverbs gives us wonderful, Solomon once again, gives us wonderful uh, uh, thoughts regarding that. We don't have an issue with this, about building more and expanding. Let's look at the problem. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Taste like feasy. Eat, drink, and be merry. We got a problem. Where's the focus? not a hard question. Thank you, Leon. The focus is on me. Where's the thought about God in this at all? It's absent. Where's the thought, the thought about others at all? It's absent. What's the greatest command? To love God with everything that you got. To love others with everything that you got. And this guy had an issue with greed. And Jesus goes on and he continues his thought here, his, his story. God said to him, you fool. This night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich 
towards God. Greed, the unquenchable thirst for getting things we think we need to be truly satisfied. And the rich fool, God calls him, was so concerned about, this is what I'll do. I have it, and now I can sit back and do nothing. I can go to the beach. I can go to the cabin with no thought whatsoever about anyone else. I've built my business. I've worked hard. This is my due. This is what everybody does. And God says, you missed the whole thing. I blessed you, but you didn't think about anybody else. You thought only about yourself. Life isn't made up of the stuff you have. And then he continues the teaching, the teaching that's reflected in the book of Matthew. It's it's a beautiful story. Jesus said to his disciples, verse 22, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food, the body more than clothes. Once again, our thought is if we have enough in here, we don't have to worry about food or clothes or those kinds of things. I have enough. The stuff has removed our need to depend upon God. And God says, hey, don't worry about those things. I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about this. Your dependency, your sufficiency should be in me to meet all of your needs. And I promise you, you'll have more than you need. He goes on and he says this, consider, (laughs) consider the ravens, okay? They're a bad football team. No. <laughs> Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no, uh, no storeroom, no barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you can't, uh, you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They don't labor or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, trust me. Don't just... uh, Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all these things. But your Father knows that you need them. Your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and all these things will be added to you as well. So there's blessing in pursuing with your heart God's kingdom. You may be saying to you, okay, that's nice, that's a good story, that's some, some thoughts, but shouldn't we be greedy for good stuff? Shouldn't we be greedy for love or life or greedy for my business? Any kind of greed that slips into your business is bad. Greed is what destroyed 
has destroyed our economy. Greed is what caused the $700 billion bailout. Some guys that thought, hey, I want more for myself. And we find ourselves in the economic times that we are. Greed, at, at the very, very heart of that. Greed and its twin brother, selfishness. And we find ourselves that way. Greed forgets the customer and only looks at the bottom line. Greed causes the customer to suffer. Greed overcharges. Greed is thinking about me and not them. I'm not talking about making a, you know, being able to make a profit. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about greed, that insatiable thirst for more and more and more to satisfy me, to satisfy my wants. And there's a fine line. And I tell you what, I've wrestled with this as I've, as I've studied. You know, what's the difference between greed and jealousy or greed and, and, uh, and envy? How do the two look, look, look different? So I challenge you, really, let's look hard and long into the mirror as we look in the mirror of the Word of God, in the mirror of our own hearts, and see where we are and if we're jumping over into greed. But our society has, has wholeheartedly embraced this. There was a famous movie uh, back in, uh, I think it was the 80s, <laughs> maybe it was the early 90s, I can't remember. Um, uh, boy, just went away. Wall Street where this infamous character, Mr. Gecko, uh, is manipulating someone. I, uh, I want to play a... Uh... The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind, and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. The other um, character in the movie, uh, is destroyed by greed. Absolutely destroyed by greed. And this is truly the philosophy that our country has grabbed onto and has latched onto. In my research this, uh, this past couple of weeks, there have been countless Wall Street brokers that are there today working today, and they give testament that this movie and this, particularly this speech, is what drove them to become what they are today. And now they're working on Wall Street, and it's all about the money. It's all about, you know, there's another movie that just came out about that kind of corruption that hurts, that destroys. And as a society, we have gobbled up and we have bought into the, the idea that good greed is good. And I'm here to tell you, according to the Scriptures, greed is sin. That's why it's listed as one of the seven deadly sins. Now, back to my point at the, at the beginning. What's at stake here? I say our heart's at stake. 
Because when greed comes in and greed grabs a hold of our heart, Rebecca Young says this, the hallmark of well-entrenched greed is to use people to serve our love for stuff rather than the use of stuff, our possessions, to love people. And this is where it gets a little bit rubbing with us. As we think about the stuff that you and I have, and are we controlled by the stuff Do we have to work and work and work to pay it off, to pay it off? And we're slaves to our stuff rather than our stuff being a slave and a tool for us to use. Are we driven and controlled by stuff? If we are, chances are, been there, guilty of greed. And so as Rebecca Young says, greed that's well entrenched uses people to serve our love for for possessions rather than taking our possessions and using them to love people, to invest our life in people rather than things. And our country is driven by stuff. The acquisition of stuff. And so we get up and we work hard and we, we, we go to work and we sacrifice to get the stuff. And sometimes we use the people to satisfy the want for stuff rather than using our stuff to love people well. I'm thrilled to be part of a church that is investing in our community over and over and over again. But there's a fine line that we all have to be careful with, your pastor included, between greed. You know, where's the, where, between, between greed and getting what I need. Do we really need that? Do we really, really need that? And most of us, we don't think we're rich at all. I would say, have a conversation with our group that went to Africa. Have a conversation with anyone that has traveled outside of the United States. And then come back here, and I dare you to stand in front of us and say, we're not rich. We are incredibly blessed. We're incredibly rich. And shame on us for having the the attitude that I've got to have this stuff to the neglect of loving people. What a challenge. Wow. Greed is dangerous, and I want to to run through a couple things to see the correlation between our hearts and what we worship and what our hearts struggle with. Greed is dangerous because when we're in its grip, we believe that the things that we own are ours and we have control over them, and therefore, we have control over our lives. Did you get that? When we're in the grip of greed, it's dangerous because we're in in the middle of it. We believe that the things that we own are ours and we have control over them. And if we have control over it, we have control over our lives. And this will be a a rub against a whole lot of us who are very driven. 
And a lot of us are very driven in very different ways, different categories. We're extremely driven, self-sufficient, want to push through those, those kind of things, uh, driven to, to reach goals and, and stuff. And if we're in the grip of greed, we don't realize it, but we're battling for control over and over and over again. Let's look at the Scriptures. Greed... Martin, oh, excuse me, Martin Luther says this, said that. Are we coming back? Please come back. Let's try this one more time. Thank you. Martin Luther says this, whatever thy heart clings to and relies on, that is your God. Whatever thy heart clings to and relies on, that is properly our God. What does the Scripture say? 1 Timothy chapter 6. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, as a result of the love of money, eager for money, have wandered where? Away from the faith. They've lost their faith. They've pierced themselves with many griefs. The correlation between our worship, our hearts, and greed. Strong thought there. Paul writes to the, to the church at Colossae, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Thank you for making it clear for us, Paul. He writes to the Ephesians and says much of the same thing. For of uh, this you can be sure no question about it. No immoral, uh, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Wow. This guy. <laughs> I thought I should offer up a quote by Dostoevsky. Okay? The world says you have needs, so satisfy them. You have as much right as the rich and the mighty. Don't hesitate to satisfy your needs. Indeed, expand your needs and demand more. This is the worldly doctrine of today. And they believe that that is freedom, when in reality it's slavery. The result for the rich is isolation and suicide. The result for the poor is envy and murder. Something to consider. So, okay, so I've given you all that, that depressing stuff. Now what? I would say two things. Let's take this away. Two things. Live with thankful hearts. There's an exercise that my wife and I have done for years. It's taken out of Psalm 116. In the beginning of the psalm says, I love, the psalmist writes, he says, I love the Lord because, and he begins to list the reasons why he loves the Lord. It's an exercise in thankfulness. I would challenge you to take the thankfulness challenge. A lot of people, and during the month of November, on Facebook particularly, will be post, you know, 30 days of Thanksgiving, and every day they'll list out something. Why not make that a year thing? and intentionally reflect on the things that you have to be thankful for. But not just reflect on those things, live a life of thankful heart, but also of open hands. 
of open hands, where we're not clinging to stuff. Stuff isn't ours. Stuff doesn't own us. Our business doesn't own us. We belong to God. Our business is a tool to serve God with. Our blessings are something that we are to use to bless others with. So live with a thankful heart and open hands. What does that really mean? (laughs) Fight greed and selfishness with thanksgiving and generosity. Fight greed and selfishness, the twins, with thanksgiving and generosity. How do you do that? There's a myriad of, of, of places we could take you in the Scriptures, but I would like to just offer uh, a thought here. Give regularly. I'm not talking about just a tithe or an offering. Give regularly. I would say each day, try to give something to someone else. It could be a simple card. It could be a phone call. It could be your time. It could be money. It could be a car. Give as God has blessed you to someone intentionally every day. Back to the tie-in. My last thought here. The writer of Hebrews says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Have you noticed repeatedly there is this tie-in between loving money, greed, versus as opposed to loving God and being satisfied in what he has done for us, who he is. There's always a tie-in. And what Jesus says, you can't serve both. You can't serve both. And the cool thing about it is if we choose to live with thankful hearts and open hands and embrace the life that Jesus gives to us, the blessing is overwhelming. The blessing is guaranteed. And we will discover that all of those, those needs that are over here, I don't have to rely on this. Sometimes this is empty. Literally. Ain't nothing in there. Okay? I don't have to worry about this. My Heavenly Father will take care of that. And we can give you testimony over and over and over again that in the midst of struggle, in the midst of crisis, God has been faithful to our family. More than faithful, abundant, overflowing. God allowed us to take a missions trip when we were at our lowest point ever. And we took our entire family on a missions trip 
by stepping out on faith. Unbelievable story. I'd love to tell you, but I don't have time this morning. So, last thought. Sorry. <laughs> this is a Paul thing. And again, last thought. We've talked about this. Confession, small things to big groups, big things to small groups. If we got an issue, hey, let's share it. Keep it in the open. When we keep it in the open, we can embrace each other. Truly, as we think about the seven, and when we focus in on the beauty of Jesus, and we embrace the life that he has given to us, this stuff is taken care of. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to examine our our hearts. Help us to truly see the greatness, the grandness, the richness of a relationship with you, a relationship that impacts us in incredible ways, a relationship, Lord, that calls us to live for others, sets us free from greed, sets us free from, from selfishness, help us to live in that light. And Lord, those things, the stuff, as we focus in on you, that stuff truly fades away. Capture our hearts this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.